The First Butterfly Episode 12 A novel written by Jason Calibre Narrated by Chris Bander Chapter 11. It's not heaven, Keith said, as he used his computer on the kitchen counter to log into Glim 3, while Gina sat in the living room. Huh? Gina walked to Keith and looked at the computer screen. You're saying I saw her inside a computer game? Not necessarily. What I'm saying is that your description fits, not her, but the avatar she used to play Glim 3, standing within a location in that game. It's a place known as the Kingdom of the Ruby Emperor, Keith explained. Players refer to it as the Core. When Transworld's networking released their first version of Glimmer Epic, that was where everyone spent most of their time in-game. The vendors and quests made it the best place for players to gather, and it became overpopulated. That sounds good. By overpopulated, you're really saying a ton of people bought the game, right? Gina remarked. Not as good as you'd think. The servers couldn't keep up with demand, and the result was huge lag times. And the game started to get a reputation as being glitchy. In response, the company's programmers produced expansions, which redirected the players to newer and larger servers. The players flocked to the new areas, and the data traffic got transferred to hardware able to handle the increased flow. Keith said, So, no problem. It all worked out in the end. Gina observed, Yes, but there was a downside. Because the software engineers were so focused on completing the new stuff, they did not bother updating things in the core. Over time, it became nothing more than worn-out quests with glitched links. Everyone avoids it. You saw God's Girl in that old place. Keith continued. Experienced players don't even consider it part of the game. I never thought that's where she'd be hiding. Who's God's Girl? Gina asked. God's Girl is the name of the computer character, her avatar that Millicent Wentworth played in the game. Oh, but who's she? Gina pointed to Keith's laptop computer screen, which now held an image of a room. A large bed dominated the center with Lady sprawled under a silk blanket. She opened her eyes and yawned. She's my avatar. I named her Lucky Lady, but most people just call her Lady. Wave to Gina, Lady. Keith entered a command for his character to wave as she rubbed her eyes. Lady rose and the blanket fell away from her body revealing her hourglass figure as she walked over to the closet and waved at the empty room. She rifled through her clothes, selecting her best stocking gear, a tight cat suit with stiletto-heeled boots and a leather mask. That's you? Gina's voice rose an octave. You're some kind of freak. No, it's not like that. She's only eye candy to catch the criminals. Hey, you're an adult, so if that's what works... Gina shrugged. I just didn't take you as the type who got off on virtual cross-dressing. It's just my job. I catch the predators and protect the company's clients. You get paid to watch her and play a video game. Sweet. Gina leaned closer to the screen to get a better look and brushed up against Keith. There's more to it than playing a game. Keith leaned away. I determine who is and who isn't a threat. Get inside perps' heads and gather evidence. It requires psychology and investigative skills. Whatever. If you ask me, it looks like a game for nerds that fantasize about hooking up with someone who looks a lot like that. Trust me, there's more to it. 
Show me, Gina said sarcastically before continuing. No, wait, even better? I'll take the remote and watch the TV while you play your nerd game. Keith pointed to where the remote sat on the couch, and Gina flipped through the channels while he put away Millicent's computer, as well as the desk and chairs. Returning to his laptop on the kitchen counter, he opened a chat channel and set to work. Meanwhile, Gina began watching a drama on a Spanish-language station. Looking for port to core, will tip. Keith typed, and then instead of pressing enter, he hit the delete key. His first thought was to find someone with a magic-using character class who could create a portal and instantly send Lady to Girl's location. Upon reflection, materializing next to her, accompanied by a flashy display of magic, would only make her run. He needed a much more subtle approach. Lady stepped outside and signaled to a horse-drawn taxi rolling along a cobblestone street. Where to, my lady? A grizzled cabbie dressed in a 19th century suit scratched his face while looking at her from his perch on top of the cab. The locomotive station. As fast as possible. Lady stepped into the carriage. Yes, ma'am. The cabbie said, and the carriage headed towards the city's center. As they arrived, a train made of iron, brass, and a mass of clockwork gears pulled into the station, resembling something from a steampunk dream. Lady paid her fare, climbed into a passenger car, and stared out a window as a dotted line traced the locomotive's progress on a map. Lady exited the train and stepped onto a weathered platform in a small desert town. She crossed the dirt street running through a handful of empty businesses, dodging a tumbleweed in the process, and then examined her surroundings. A saloon flanked by a mercantile store stood opposite her, the only other player was an avatar dressed in a full suit of medieval armor, leaning against a weathered wooden building. Keith rolled his eyes as he read the avatar's name. Hey, Long Lance. Hey, lucky lady. Anything happening? I don't know. Just arrived. What you doing here? Keith thought fast. I heard the mountain bandits had new drops. I need new toys. I wore out my old ones. Wink. They didn't used to drop stuff worth taking. They might have something now. I'm going to ride the barrier mountains, grab them by their money bags, and squeeze. Want to come? I'm only here to visit Boot Hill. Then it's back to the real world for me. Lance responded, What's at Boot Hill? My wife's grave. Going to pay my respects. Keith typed an inquisitive emoji into the chat channel. Met her in game, but married her in real world. She passed away a few years ago. I'm sorry. Tears started to well up in Lady's eyes. When I told them why I was canceling her account, TWN offered to include a memorial for her since she was an original subscriber. She has a tombstone. Not that it'll matter much. Word is they'll be scrapping this section soon. What was her name? I want to pay my respects. She was a lady, like you, Lady Lorelei. Lance coughed and looked away. I'll leave a flower for her. Lady sniffed, and a tear ran down her cheek. I'd be much obliged. Lance bowed. Respect. Your class act, lady. Best of luck with the bandits. Keith brought up a list of mounts and, passing over the unicorn, selected a sorrel horse because it seemed more appropriate. After climbing into the saddle... Lady nudged the horse in the direction of the hills, taking time for a brief stop at Boot Hill to lay a long-stemmed rose across the top of a granite marker. 
Lady cantered along dusty trails throughout the virtual day and into the night, crossing the desert and climbing over mountains. Eventually she continued down a path winding its way through a dense forest. She rode in solitude, passing abandoned places with computer-generated characters waving in her direction, inviting her to quests that no longer mattered. Ahead she saw moonlight shining into an empty clearing. She dismounted in the center of the open space and pulled out a map. With a glance to the stars, Lady pinpointed her position. She was getting close. A lizard scampered up a tree and watched as Keith clicked on an icon and Lady faded from view, leaving a trace of distortion in the air. Despite being stealthy, Lady was still out in the open, and someone actively searching might spot her, but that would change. Ignoring the trail, Lady stepped into the underbrush without disturbing so much as a blade of grass in her passing. She remained hidden and traveled onward as pines gave way to aspens. Then fruit trees and willows appeared as the landscape became dotted with ponds and lonely glades. Chinese lanterns lit a path in the distance, but Lady kept to the shadows. A lake spread before her now, and an abandoned town darkly superimposed geometric patterns on a distant skyline. She spied Girl across the lake as a dark outline of a priestess laying beneath a tree. Not wanting to be seen crossing the open water, Lady crept along the bank, wading among reeds and lotus flowers. A moonlit meadow lay in front of her, positioned between the lake and a familiar pond. Lady scanned the sky for clouds, or anything that could obscure the full moon and give her a shadow to hide in, but found nothing. The moon and stars hung in fixed positions, unobscured by later developments in dynamic environments. Even the ever-present breeze, in the later expansions, was absent here. If God's girl looked around, she might have noticed a localized disturbance. There was a certain shimmer in the air, rippling outward from the grassy meadow towards the shrubs bordering the pond. However, she was sitting on the grass, with her back against a tree while gazing up at the stars, and saw nothing as Lady silently drew close. Keith brought up an input window and typed a short series of commands. Lady looked intently at the priestess before backing away and hiding in the shadowy recesses of a large hydrangea bush. From there, she spied on Girl, listening and noting every move the character made. She now knew she stalked a perp, someone who she must follow to the ends of Glim Three, even to the point of diving through a portal after her. Once she set her sights on a target, her prey never escaped. Satisfied that he finished his work for the night, Keith shut the lid on the computer as Gina turned off the television and stretched. She walked over to Millicent's computer, now sitting on the floor of the closet, quietly whispered something, and lovingly touched it. Then she stepped away and unrolled her sleeping bag. Once situated, she turned her back towards Keith and the couch. Within a few minutes, Keith finished cleaning up and prepared for bed. By the time he turned off the light and laid down, Gina had already fallen asleep. Thank you for listening to The First Butterfly, Episode 12, Chapter 11. This episode was written and produced by Jason Calibre, featuring the voice talents of Chris Bander and Jay Cal. Cover art for the podcast and ebook provided by Nancy Aphrodite. Theme music, Sun Still Rises, provided by Wanderbeats. Please visit our website, thefirstbutterfly.com for a complete list of attributions 
links, and other information concerning this patio book. You can help support this podcast by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. As always, we wish you all the best and look forward to sharing our next episode with you. Until then, have a wonderful week.